Welcome one. Welcome all to my podcast, focusing on your favorite sports and your favorite athletes on their Olympic journey. This is the road to Tokyo. This is 2020 Vision. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of 2020 Vision. On this week's episode, we have two powerhouses of the para-athletic world, Cam Crombie and Marty Jackson. These boys are both amazing shot potters and even more amazing people. I'm going to start with my chat with Cam Crombie. Cam started off his career as a basketballer and now is currently a world champion shot putter. Here is my chat with Cam Crombie. Tell us how you got started as an athlete. What position did you play at basketball? Beautiful. So I'm a bit of a basketball fan myself. Uh, so I, I love yeah, this. I love the sport, and I know that um, once you play basketball, you can use what you learn there in different other elements of what you do. What you learned in yeah. basketball, can you kind of relate that to what you're currently doing as a shot putter? I believe. Yeah. So for me, like basketball was such a big part of my life uh, in the early days. Like I was, I was doing it six days a week. You are a para athlete. Um, are we able to talk about what you carry in um, in order to compete as a para Olympian? Yeah, yeah. So, as in my disability. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I was born. Uh, my twin brother and I were born premature, um, and as a part of having a premature uh, or being. 
having a premature birth, there was complications and, and I ended up having a stroke. Uh, and the right side of my brain was affected, uh, which meant the left side of my body uh, doesn't quite work as well as it should. Um, and uh, when I was younger, my mum and, and dad uh, put me through a lot of um, operations and physio and, and treatments and, and everything to try and um, make it as abnormal, I'll, I'll say, uh, as possible. Um, because they started noticing that my brother, who was, let's say, normal, um, uh, there was a difference between the two of us, you know, and the way we were picking up things and, um, and our coordination and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, for me, um, that's where my my disability stems from and, and that resulted or it's, it's classified as uh, diagnosed as having cerebral palsy. Um, and uh, there's, in the grand scheme of things, there's a big, um, uh, a big range of... of uh, I guess severities of cerebral palsy. So um, there's the the TNF, like track and field class, and then from ranging from number 32 being the most severely affected, uh, all the way up to 38, um, which is the least severely affected. Um, and that's where I fit in, which is basically uh, as close to being able-bodied as possible, but um, showing signs of um, uh, obviously a brain injury that that links up with a physical impairment, um, uh, that, you know, kind of, and that's the that's the biggest, uh, I guess, how you kind of classify it roughly. I've only um, um, recently got my my head around the qualification, so uh, thank you for explaining it to me a bit further there. Yeah, it's, it's look, it's a really difficult process, and it's not. I've been through it a lot with with rowing and and athletics and, and you've got to get nationally classified and internationally classified by a panel and um, it's it's pretty rigorous like you know uh, I've been classified twice internationally now uh, you know once when I first started athletics and, and once again probably a month and a half ago and they're not it's not a pleasant experience at all like it's you know you you're going through doing these tests that are basically highlighting your Inefficiency, or your, yeah, your, your your disability, which is quite, I guess, humiliating in some way. Um, but it's it's what has to be done, and, and I think mine took about an hour and a half to two hours uh, for them to deliberate and make sure that everything they were doing, they were doing right. They do it over and over and over again, and uh, and watch the effects of fatigue and all that kind of stuff. And um, so it is a very grueling process, but it's necessary to make sure that you know you are in a class you're supposed to be in, and mm. um, and you're competing against people that are um, uh, with a similar uh, ability, which is uh, yeah, I mean it's it's painful at the time, but it, it's probably a good thing that it is painful and have to go through it. So. You sound like a bloke that's very thick-skinned, and um, with a disability, uh, I believe it comes with some downfalls and like how you feel about yourself. How how in life have you perked yourself up and kept going? Obviously with a uh, with a gold medal or two in your belt, that that helps, but what else have you done? Yeah, makes it a bit easier, but um, uh, look, it, that doesn't come without, you know, first having, uh, you know, I guess the, the negatives. Um, and I don't, those experiences aren't, aren't good experiences until you've had some really, um, some really bad ones. Like I, 
doubt I had cerebral palsy um, until I was 16. Uh, my mum and dad actually kept it from me. Um, and that's why I went through the normal kind of able-bodied um, side of things. But then they knew why I was fatigued and why my coordination was going out the window and, um, you know, uh, later on in the day or later on in a, in a tournament where I had no idea. I just thought that's how people were. I thought, you know, everyone's left on the side of their body was was um, was bad. So was there resentment? In a, was there a resentment in a sense at all? Sorry. Was there resentment in a sense at all when you find out at a later year, or did you just continue on? No, you're I okay. Think, and I think that's it. I think um, by the time I found out, it was done. Like there's nothing. You know, I didn't really understand it at the time, but um, you know, as it, as the kind of years went on, and and you know, I heard some stories from relatives and stuff that said, "Oh, you look, you went, you did this and this, and this is what you were like." And, this is how many hours they spent doing physio and money and all this kind of stuff. And I think all of you pretty hard. And I, uh, I think I realized that you know, we did out. It doesn't get worse, it doesn't get better. It's always been there, it will be there. And I guess now it's just a on a piece of paper that says this is what you've got and it kind of makes sense and you kind of think back about all the um, the times that things were hard and weren't going to, to plan and um, your shots weren't coming off and all that kind of thing and you kind of go, well, that, I guess that kind of makes sense because you know, was, this was the reason. Um, I, I had a, as they told me earlier, I might have used that reason as an excuse and I think that's what they were worried about. Um, so, you know, telling me at the age of 16 and kind of understanding it when I was about 20 or 22, um, I think that made it a lot easier just to go, well, look, you know, everyone's got their their um, their troubles and difficulties and this is just the one you've got, um, but you still got to deal with it. So, you know, chin up, get, get stuck into it. So, yeah. so how, did, how did you get stuck into it? You've obviously gone from basketball, gone through your rowing and uh, now athletics. What was the uh, training like for you? Uh, training for for rowing, oh, I'm sorry, for basketball was you know it's pretty standard. You know, hmm. every every um, every afternoon, most mornings, uh, you know, all weekend, uh, doing um, uh, doing all the trainings and, and stuff that you usually would as a, you know, a, a junior athlete. Yeah. Um, a 12 to 15, 16 year old, you know, in a number of different teams and stuff. Um, it's not until I kind of went to rowing um, uh, that they kind of, you know, the guys from rowing said, Look, have you, are you CAM? You know, do you have CP? Yeah. Have you ever tried rowing? Like, no. Um, do you want to see if you can get classified? I went, yeah, sure. And it turns out that I could. And, um, and that's when they said, oh, look, you know, you've got the size, you've got the, um, at least a sporting ability, you know, in the past, do you want to see how far you can take it? And I said, yeah, and they said, all right, well, start on Monday. Um, that was where it started. It was, from then on, it was basically twice a day for um, the best part of a, a, a year to start with, and, and that was brutal. Like, it was the most insane, intense um, sport that I've, I've ever done, and probably still will ever do. Like, it's, rowing is just, it's crazy, it's nuts. You're working at, uh, you know, at a at a crazy rate for such an extended period of time, and then they say, okay, now you need to sprint, and 
and you're thinking, what have I just done for the last 13 years? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that was, I've, I've never wanted to die and throw up and, um, and curl up in a ball more than the first time I did a real race um, at a state championships um, in a four, like with three other people in the Cox. And, um, and that, that for me was a big turning point mentally. And I think that set me up for um, getting through failure later in, in that part of life, you know, and, and the early parts of my athletic career because it didn't go to plan. Um, and because I could kind of, I was told to hit this, this barrier keep going until you can't go anymore and then okay we're into the last 250 metres time to start rowing and you're thinking I've just been doing that like what I've got nothing left and then you find out after the race that you actually went faster than over the last 250 than you did over any other part of the race and you think but I was dead like I was, I was done I was cooked um, and you kind of find out that your body has a limit to it yeah and it's actually limited just by your brain so your brain just needs to you know, kind of recondition yourself to say, no, everything's hurting, and that's fine, and it's going to keep hurting, but now we need to step it up and, and hurt a bit more, you know. Um, and that was a real eye-opener, for sure. And then you're using that then again from learning that and rowing, you're using that when it comes to shop put. You would have obviously built up the muscle um, and obviously the brain as well would have been working at almost full capacity. Um, what was it like going... To, from rowing to athletics then doing the whole competition um, and not being in that boat look it was hard like the you know the complications around rowing and, and how I, I exited the sport like it wasn't pleasant um, you know I'd, I'd basically been um, been geared up and earmarked for and sized up for uniforms for everything for the Paralympics and um and basically it all came down to a, um, you know, someone that had a bee, a bee in their bonnet and, and a process of my eligibility and, and it ended with a, um, another nationality, a classifier of another nationality saying that if you come over, over to a, a world championships, um, we'll just keep protesting until you give up. You know, and that's, that's how I left the sport is that, you know, um, I had it kind of ripped out from underneath me without, you know, having poor performance. You know, at that time I'd, I'd broken a world record on the rowing machine, so I definitely had this, the, the power there and the, the ability. I'd won, you know, all three races at nationals that year, the single, the double, and the, the four. Um, so I could row. It wasn't perfect, but I was, I was you know, good enough. Mm. Um, and got along really well with the team, like I still do. Um, really good people um, but it was just someone else had a, other ideas and that was the most brutal thing to um, to have to kind of face it's like you put you know rowing in Canberra like in winter is just brutal it's not something that you know is that really enjoyable you know you got ice hanging off the side of the boat as you're trying to you know row through it by 36 o'clock in the morning so um, you're kind of going through that and putting your body through all these things and learning all these these new movements and new processes and um, new ways of thinking and then having it ripped from under you and you know one month before going to world champs and your mum and dad being well we've already booked a holiday and I guess we've got a, a spare week in France now you know that's not that's not a good way to to kind of go out but um I guess that just fueled everything else um, and just when athletics called me and said you know we heard 
didn't quite go to plan is they don't want you, we'll take you. Um, do you want to learn how to throw the javelin? I went, well, I learned how to row in six months or eight months. Yeah. Love it. I'll, um, I'll learn how to throw a javelin. And, and yeah, that's that's where that kind of all began. So I just, yeah, kind of picked up, definitely looked at it and went, well, I've done it before. How hard can it be? I'll do it again. Yeah. And what year are, Knowing, we, what year are we talking then, mate? That was uh, the end of firefighting and you've got your job as a real estate agent um you can plug that if you like um at the end that's fine uh so <laughs> what um what do you do in your downtime because you, you've got all of those awesome things that you do there but you need a bit of time for for cameron what what do you do uh look i, I don't have a lot of downtime um i like to you know i, I do um i do have a motorbike and i do um like feeling around and building things and and you know, in the shed, and um, there's, but there just isn't. There's just not a lot of downtime. I, um, I do a bit of public speaking and uh, and and charity work as well. But that's you know, I I find that my my downtime is actually better spent um, just with people and, and around things that may not necessarily be um, uh, may not necessarily be work or sport, but it might be fire brigade. So that's actually a bit time for me um yeah it's just you know surrounding yourself with good people and getting refreshed and um you know if you surround yourself with good people with different ideas then you know it kind of it gives you a better perspective on things i just kind of i guess i can just take that into the other parts of my life that at the moment are the focus which is the obviously the sport and the work i love it mate that sounds awesome um now i do want to ask um, what's, so I want to ask about the feeling of winning gold last year. That that has to be a, a high part in your life. Tell us about how you felt when that when that um that occurred. Uh, look, last year was really good. Um, it's a bit of an understatement, but I think the year before was even better. Mm. Um, you know, the year before was the um, the 2017 World 
World Championships. Um, it was my first competition uh, as an Australian rep. Um, uh, you know, after kind of after coming so close in rowing and and more or less failing there, and then coming so close with the javelin in in 2016 um, and falling short by a meter or so, you know, and um, after doing a, a massive tear of my um, PCL and hyperextending my knee, and you know, in the middle of this this training session where I had to learn this javelin, and then kind of not being able to walk, and then for for a month and a half, and then kind of having to um, to learn javelin all over again, and then you know, add five or so five or six or seven meters to your throw um, in a short space of time like that was pretty brutal, and it came right down to the last day and travelled all the way to Queensland and um, and failed like you know brutally close um, uh, and then the next day like I remember you know just emotionally being fine and then all of a sudden just sitting there on the plane on the way home um, back to Canberra and just just broke down like and that's never happened before other than when, you know, I found out the news about rowing and um, and I got back to Canberra and, uh, you know, my coach and, you know, my colleagues are, are, are taking off without me again um, over to, to Rio. Like, that was, that was brutal. But, you know, when I got back to Canberra, I kind of said, well, what's next? And we said, well, the shot puts in Gold Coast and... Um, and it's also at the at the world champ, so let's keep doing javelin and then just tack on shot put um, as well. So we knew that we had two years worth of international comps in shot put, and and that's why we started, you know, where we started with the um, uh, with the world champs, and and yeah, it was the first event, very first event of the the entire meet. Um, it was my first event, you know, with Australia across my chest, like. And um, on my second throw, I pulled out a world record and ended up being a gold medal. So, um, yeah, that for me was a big load off, you know, a big um, uh, kind of, yeah, expectations have now kind of been released a bit. So I'd done, I, I, I did what I was, I was there to do. So for me, that was a big um, justification about why I was doing what I was doing and, and all the little painful things along the way have all suddenly become worth it. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty special moment. Oh, yeah, a, um, a rounded moment there for you. Ooh. Yeah, it was just, it was incredible, like it really was. And, and I think being able, that was one thing, and then kind of a year later being able to do it again, um, you know, Commonwealth Games isn't quite at World Championships, but, no. you know, to have 30,000, 35,000 people um, in a stadium and, and on, on home uh, turf as well. Yeah, like, it's just, yeah, it was incredible. It really was. And, and a mate, a really good mate of mine, um, Marty Jackson, uh, picked up a, a silver. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was actually more, um, that was more special than me actually winning gold because he, he came so close in, in the World Championships. He came fourth and he could have, you know, had he been at his best and, and, and popped a good one out, he would have, meddled easily um, but he knows that and um, and he kicks himself for it and but the fact that he got back on the horse and um, that didn't let anything stop him and, and he's back and, and 
Paddy to to take silver, and then um, he's currently he's still um, yeah outright number two in the world. So I think so. Um, he's come a long way. He's he's, um, he's a real fighter. He's he's a lot older than uh, than a lot of the people on the team. Uh, he's a bit of a grandpa, but he's you know he's he's got such a good head on him. You um, need those sort of guys in a team, the ones that uh, play dad to keep you in line and uh, to do the right thing by yourself. And yeah, <laughs> no, he's the one that plays up, mate. He's, uh, no, he's good. He's you know I won't tell you his age, but uh, him and I generally, you know, we're among the the oldest, the older guys on tour when we do go on tour. Um, and we actually we're so close that we actually you know we room together in the same in the same rooms. You know when we're about to compete against other, each other the next day and. And people kind of look at us and go, but, but you're supposed to be competing against other, each other. Why aren't you? What are you doing? Like, how come you, you're ruining together? And we're just like, well, I mean, we're, that's what we do. We're teammates. Like, well, actually, I think he came from an, our, uh, sorry, a, a gridiron uh, background. Um, and I've come from a basketball background, which is big. You know, team sports always been a massive thing for us. So we both had to to um, to adjust to a, uh, to a very isolated sport and I think that's probably uh, without speaking for him I think that's probably how we get around it it's like we have our time off the off the off the field and out of the circle where we act like idiots and um, and have a good joke and have a good time and push each other and um, and and genuinely want each other to do better and then when it comes into the circle like we know that he's out there to beat me and I'm out there to beat him and, and we'll help each other along the way and, and be happy with whatever happens so yeah, it's, the, um, the true Australian spirit, right there. Yeah, no, it's good fun. It's, look, he's as I said, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and um, he makes it very easy to compete against and compete with, and um, and to uh, to just be around. He's just a real good guy. That's amazing, mate. So he doesn't try and put any pepper in your shampoo or anything like that before the game. <laughs> to turn I on. definitely, I definitely think he would be good. Um, I would have put pepper in his shampoo, but he doesn't have any hair, so. <laughs> I love it, mate. Well, one last question for you. I know you've got to continue on with your night. Um, do you mind? Is there any words of advice that you'd give to those up-and-coming athletes that are looking to achieve, whether it be a para-athlete or just an athlete that's going for uh, for gold at Tokyo next year? Whatever. What would you say to them? Uh, look, I I just say have gratitude. I think one of the biggest things for me over the last. Um, even the last six or, six or eight months has been kind of noticing uh, or acknowledging where I'm at in my career and, and what, I'm, what I'm aiming for and not setting expectations too high of myself that end up derailing the effort. Um, it's, you want to set goals, but you can't, you can't be so focused on them that you tear yourself apart when you don't hit them. You have to aim for them and when they don't happen if they don't happen then you have to reassess and, and get better and I think um, for me the big part of it is, is the gratitude side and going well look this is what I've got this is what I was given and um, and at the end of the day whatever happens I'll be happy and I'll be very grateful for what I've got because I know that there's, a, there's nothing else left in the tank um, and that's where my I guess my um my push and my drive comes from just a, a sense of gratitude and that I'm, I'm very incredibly lucky to be even in the position that where I'm, I'm vying for, 
manager. You know, before I even get there, it's still a very, very good position to be in, and, and I can't, um, yeah, can't take it for granted. That's for sure. Thank you very much for joining me today, mate. Um, it's a, been awesome to talk with you. You're such a, a wholesome bloke, and I just, yeah, I just love. Personally, from doing what I've been doing, just hearing the what you talked about, the gratitude that people have, um, they're not all, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm the best in the world sort of thing. They're just straightforward, and you've definitely proved that, proven that, and um, I thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No, no problem, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day. How amazing was that chat there with Cam Crombie? Definitely a guy that has his head screwed on, has the right goals in life, and knows what he wants to achieve. He even did my job for me in a sense. He introduced uh, and, and talked up uh, my next uh, athlete that I've interviewed, which is Marty Jackson. And Marty has a very good story of his own to tell. Uh, and Cam, if you're still listening, mate, he has some good words to say f- about you as well. So here he is, Marty Jackson. Okay, mate, tell us how you started as an athlete, um, where your journey began. Well, uh, well, originally played American football for, I think, 13 or 14 years with the uh, Geelong Buccaneers. So, yeah, just um, yeah, played, I was captain of that team and started the team back in 2003. And, uh, yeah, went on to play for Victoria, had enough, yeah, a number of calls for Victoria and, and uh, yeah, it was on a pretty good sort of... Uh, progression up through through the ranks and yeah injury happened in 2014 on the field do you have a favorite nfl team do you follow the sport at all yeah i'm a tennessee titans fan but i know that against me no that's okay mate i jumped on the patriots bandwagon about 10 years ago so yeah definite definite bandwagon yeah (laughs) (laughs) no that's good so do you mind telling us about the injury because um that is in a sense what has got you to where you are now in athletics yeah, look, um, the injury is probably a result of knowing the game too well. I was uh, playing at home uh, down in Geelong, and it came off the edge. It was a, uh, a screen play, and I knew, sort of read it really early. So I made a sort of break and hit a full sprint to um, hit the guy that was going to receive the ball. And as I hit him, a, a fellow player came in low and uh, speared me in the knee with the helmet, and it just took the knee off, basically took the leg off below the knee, flipped me and uh, yeah, the knee was dislocated, the ligaments were gone and the nerves were, were shot. So I knew straight away I was in trouble. It just didn't, there was no um, pain or, or anything along those lines. So yeah, sat up and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm in a bit of trouble with this. So we put it back into place and off to hospital and yeah, the rest is history. So, so speaking of history, what sort of uh, history followed from that injury, if you don't mind speaking about it? No, that's no worries. Look, um, I've never been sort of one to you know, dwell on things or anything along those mm. lines. So, yeah, sat in hospital and the, the doctors said, oh, look, Marty, you're probably not going to uh, walk again or walk properly again. Um, that doctor got the sack and then, yeah, they brought gave me another doctor. Yeah, we... Um, Sort of, it took maybe 24 hours or so, a day of, you know, what was me and, and sort of coming to grips with the injury and, you know, not being able to feel the leg and whatnot. But I thought, oh, look, I can't sort of dwell on it. I need, the next day I uh, contacted uh, or Googled up the Australian Paralympic Committee and found Tim Matthews' number. And I ended up sending him an email and saying, look, here's the situation in hospital. Um, things aren't looking great. 
And yeah, is para sport something that would be an option for me? I remember getting an email back and saying, "Oh, look, you could come, you could come good," and that's sort of something that I wasn't keen. You know, obviously I wanted to come good, but there was something I needed a goal to, to work on rather than focus on the injury. So we uh, booked an appointment with the, the APC. I think three or four weeks later, while I was still lying in the hospital bed, and you know, it was basically the leg was just going to have to come for along for the ride, and I was going to start on my journey. So. Uh, look, if it came good, it came good, which it, you know, it's it's repaired somewhat, but yeah, still obviously still affected. It's amazing how you took the jump so early. You obviously have that in you to become a great sports person. What's inspired you um, to kind of want to reach um, a high, a high end sports role? Well, because you, you, you made it through to Victoria and all that stuff with your um, American football. Um, you obviously wanted to take the journey once you found out that you might not be able to walk again. Um, yeah, so where did that sort of spirit come from? Well, I think one of the biggest shock realisations was I went from being one of the best in my position in, in American football and then within a, within a fraction of a second, um, yeah, I was at the bottom, you know, having to rebuild again. And I'd had a couple of injuries in the years before where I'd broken an arm or something along those lines. They're easy comebacks. They were just... Uh, you know, you, you focus on when you want to get back and you make it happen. But with, um, yeah, I just didn't really want to focus on the injury itself. It was, uh, yeah, being um, not being able to walk or any something along those lines. It was just something that um, was not. It didn't. I didn't want to focus on it. So finding another sport and then just building my way through was something that was really high on the list, and um, it gave me something to focus on and. Um, as the old, uh, you know, see the goal rather than the hurdles and the things mm. that stop you in between. I just, yeah, I've, I've always had that mentality whereas I can only see what I want and then whatever's there to stop me or anything is just going to have to be stepped over or jumped over or and we just get there. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, you know, um, the injury certainly... You know, the disability having the disorder certainly opened up new doors for me. You've just got to see those things and find the opportunity in, in whatever happens to you in, in those situations. And, uh, you know, I started off, I think um, they found me a local coach in Geelong and just started having, having a throw. And I think I did everything back then into, oh, I think late 2014. So, yeah, a bit of javelin, a bit of shot put and discus and... Yeah, just over the coming years, I found that shot put was my thing and really enjoyed it. Um, you become addicted to shot put and finding the extra centimetres mm. each, each training session and, um, yeah, just kept working along. I think it was, I ended up, uh, 2015 was my first national championships and, yeah, getting there and sort of seeing that, okay, I'm not too bad here, I'm in, in the mix. And then just working along, I think I did an Oceana Championships in 2016, and that was actually two years to the date. I think we flew out to Fiji two years to the date of my injury, and uh, I was named uh, the captain of the Oceana team for the for Fiji in 2016. So, um, yeah, it was good to be in that team environment again because that was one of the biggest shocks for me was going from team sport into a solo sport. You're not having that that support framework around you like your teammates and that if you're having a bad game could pep you up you don't have that in in athletics when you're a solo athlete 
you're obviously supported by the Paralympic Committee, which is good. That they wouldn't have given you the uh, captaincy there. I like that. So, um, you, and speaking about um, not having team. Uh, the team aspect, you still do find your friends. And I've already interviewed uh, Cameron Crombie. Now, he had a lot, of, a lot of good things to say about you, mate. Is there anything you want to talk uh, about him, like say about him? Oh, look, I absolutely love Cam. Uh, Cam and I met, I think, in Canberra a couple of years back. Uh, um, I think maybe the 2016 were there for classification. And I think we were both relatively new to the sport. It comes from rowing. And, and uh, you know, when you just you sort of meet... You meet a bloke, you just get along really well. And we both had um, goals of just, you know, being good at what we do. And, uh, you know, if you've seen the, the pair of us, he's a six foot, six, six, seven sort of bloke, and I'm five, nine and a half on a good day. Yeah. Um, With a step letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm stretching. I'm stretching. So, yeah, we've sort of taken on the old, uh, the twins mentality, you know, the Arnie and. <laughs> Love it. And uh, Danny DeVito, I'm clearly the, the good-looking and charismatic one, but yeah. I disagree. Um, <laughs> look, um, yeah, absolutely great guy. And he's, he's a great driver for me as well. Obviously, in, we're both um, competitors and we we know that uh, we both want to win and and, ha- and uh, do our best. And that's, that's one of the biggest things for us. And um, I think both Cam and I have, have said that I think if we can, if we can leave... Parasport in a better place, so we found it. We're, we're doing the right thing. So, um, yeah, absolutely love the guy. So you see yourself as being some uh, a role model in a sense for um, future athletes and uh, current athletes. Yeah, I mean, we certainly we both have our own independent stories. Mine was acquired, and I think Cam didn't find out he even had cerebral palsy until he was about fifteen or sixteen or something along those lines. So, um, but I think both of us. I've lived that, you know, lived a life where we've um, faced some kind of adversity, and then it's just making that the most of that opportunity. Um, yeah, and I do, I do think that. Um, well, I think anything that you touch, whether it's a footy team or employment or um, in sport or you know anything that you do, I think if you can, if you can um, represent that pretty positive and and leave it in a better place, you're on the right track. Now, he did refer to you as being the dad of the group. Um, I hope you, <laughs> hope you don't mind that. But um, who do you look up to? Oh, look, I, I'm, one of my training partners is Russell Thorne. And Cameron, I'm not sure you'll listen to this. And Dad, I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to room it together again, mate. We'll, we'll fix that up. But um, the Russell Short is absolutely... One of the blokes I, I look up to, I think, eight-time Paralympian, um, the most humble guy you've ever met. He um, always willing to, you know, um, you know, share information and help you improve. And uh, he's certainly been sort of one of my rocks through um, competitions and you know, helping you work through those sort of things. And look, he's lived it as well, you know, through the through the physical and strength and. Uh, uh, mental battles of competing and on the big stage. Uh, he's always got a good word to, to share and absolutely look up to him. Russell Short's an amazing man. Beautiful. We'll have to get him on for a chat so he can amp you up. Um, so do you mind uh, giving us some words of advice for those that are up and coming in um, not only shot put, uh, not only being a para-athlete, but any sort of sport? Uh, because you have come from that background playing American football. Um, is there yeah, any words of advice that you give for those that are trying out? Oh, look, absolutely. Um, I'd love to share a bit of advice from, you know, from where I've come. There's certainly, um, 
uh, naysayers and people that think that you may not make it. Um, I've lived a few of those, and I, and I use those things as fuel. But um, know what you want and, and go after it. It's Don't see the hurdles. Don't see the things that uh, can stop you. Those things are all there to be stepped over. And you, they're going to be there whether you like it or not, but just if you um, can see what you're after and know the goal, that, you know, just go after it. Get after it. Thank you very much for joining me, mate. And I reckon we'll join you when you um, have the ten- Tennessee Titans winning that Super Bowl. Might not be next year or the year after, but eventually. Uh, we might knock off those Patriots and play off soon. Oh, okay. We'll hold you. <laughs> we'll hold you to that one. Hopefully not. Uh, thank- <laughs> Hopefully in my lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much, mate. And we'll uh, yeah chat to you um, when you win in gold at Rio. No, oh, not Rio. Sorry, Tokyo. I'm, I'm stuck in the past. Okay, we'll, we'll get it done at Dubai. Okay, to buy. That's even closer. All right. Look, look after yourself, mate. Thanks, mate. Take care. You too. Bye. Marty Jackson, you superstar. I thank you very much for joining me on my podcast, and I hope you appreciated the words that Cam said about you, and Cam, vice versa. Well, that's it. I had two amazing athletes on, both uh, shining the light on para-athletics and being representatives at a higher level. We appreciate their efforts, um, and I hope that you enjoyed episode 10 of 2020 Vision. I've enjoyed thoroughly uh, making the last 10 episodes and growing each episode, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope you can join me next week. Who knows who we're going to get. Thank you for listening to another episode of 2020 Vision. If you want to find us elsewhere, go to Podbean, YouTube, or Spotify and type in 2020 Vision. You can also find us on Facebook. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.